My next guest is the head of one of BC's most successful family-run businesses, one passed down from his grandfather to his father to him, from a cash and carry in Vancouver's Chinatown to companies that will be familiar to many none so perhaps then London Drugs with nearly 80 stores across Western Canada, a mainstay uh, in BC and Vancouver as well. Brant Louis is a longtime philanthropist, the former chancellor of Simon Fraser University, a member of the Order of British Columbia and a Canadian Business Hall of Fame inductee. But recently, he's also lent his voice to something that is both a source of pride and a source of concern. Louis is of Chinese heritage. He's a strong supporter of efforts to make sure the community's stories and heritage is preserved. And during Asian History Month, May, Louis is also concerned about the rise in reported incidents of anti-Asian racism seen over the past few years in this country. So much so that he's written opinion pieces for both the Globe and Mail and the Vancouver Sun. And Brant Louis, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of the H.Y. Louis Group of Companies, which includes London Drugs, joins me now with more. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Ben. I'm happy to be here. You've uh, written a few opinion pieces, both for the Global Mail and the Vancouver Sun of late, uh, really focusing on the history of, of, of Asian Canadians and how they are the story of this country. Why did you feel it was important? Why was the timing important to, to try to deliver that message? Well, I think the reason why I've decided that it was important now is that hopefully we thought that discrimination that we, uh, as we know it, disappeared, you know, at these day and age, we should not have to be discriminating against others. And, and yes, we know about the early discrimination of uh, maybe 50 years ago, certainly during my parents' time and my grandparents' time. But I thought that by the time uh, that I was around, that I went to school, that I attended university and started to enter the business world, that discrimination as we know it would disappear appear or at least go underground and it would not be such an important part but what we've seen with this pandemic is the rise of discrimination and it seems like it instead of getting better with time and with education it hasn't gotten better it's gotten worse and so i just decided that it was time to start telling the story of the chinese who came to canada and what part they played in building the nation of canada that we know it as today and your family history is in some ways encapsulates the the whole thing in many ways it's i mean there are a lot of stories being shared but really the louis family story is a specifically fascinating one because it begins more than 135 140 years ago and and exists till this day obviously well, it's interesting. My maternal side of the family came to Canada before it was a country around 1862, and it came to Victoria at the time, where my paternal side of the family, my great, my grandfather came in 1898, and he started by farming, and farming in what we know as uh, Boundary Road and Marine Way, and I believe the story goes that he had and a partner had leased some land from John Oliver, and they used to grow vegetables, and uh, he would uh, take these vegetables uh, by horse and buggy each day and deliver them to his customers in the city of Vancouver every day. And so that's how he started. And around 1903, he decided to open a general store, 
And that general store basically provided seed and fertilizer and other goods to the local Chinese people living in the community at the time. And uh, from 1903 right through till today was the beginnings of his company, became the H.Y. Louis Company, and the H.Y. Louis Company uh, from its beginnings of 1903 right into today have a number of retailing businesses such as London Drugs and uh, IGA and Fresh Street Markets, to name a few. And, and, and you were explaining uh, a bit about your own history as well. I mean, your parents were both born in this country. You were born here in 1943. But you also explain in one of your opinion pieces that at the time, none of you were Canadian citizens, despite how long your family had been here and how much and how successful they had ultimately become. Yes, that's true. My father was born here in 1914. My mother was born in 1919. And I was born in 1943. And unfortunately, we were not Canadian citizens, but we were described by the Canadian government at that time as resident aliens. And this was due ex- specifically to the Chinese exclusion, which uh, was passed in 1923. And so until that act was repealed in 1947, we were not granted the rights of Canadian citizenship. But after the repeal of that act, we finally were. That didn't mean that discrimination ended. You know, it merely meant that we were now Canadian citizens. And hopefully we could eventually enjoy the benefits of Canadian citizenship. But our parents and our grandparents, to some extent, still had to uh, deal with discrimination even after that date. You mentioned earlier that one of the things that most disappointed you or at least one of the, the truisms of what we've seen recently is that the discrimination that you've witnessed on the rise over the last few years reminds you of stories that your parents and your grandparents told you, but stories you thought you would never have to hear again. Yes, that's true. You know, it's interesting. Most of us have heard stories from our parents and grandparents that oral history that we never thought concerned us. You know, it was interesting stories, maybe at the time that we were told it, But, you know, we were told these stories and you kind of forgot about them. And I only started to start remembering these stories as the discrimination of the uh, current day became more prevalent. And it's interesting because a lot of the stories that I now remember that were told by my parents and grandparents were very similar to what we've had to experience with the onset of discrimination that has cropped up since the pandemic. And you know, the Chinese have had a very interesting history. When you look at the Chinese history of Canada, you've ha- we've had to deal with the head tax. You know, we've had to deal with the uh, 1923 Exclusion Act. We've had to deal with the fact that when war was declared in 1939, that we were excluded from having to be conscripted to fight for this country on the grounds that if we ask Chinese to fight and die for their country, they would ask for the right to be citizens. You know, they were, and because we weren't Canadian citizens, both my parents were denied the ability to study for a professional degree at the University of British Columbia, because the argument at that point was, well, there's no point 
training you to be a lawyer, a pharmacist, an accountant, a doctor, if you're not able to practice. And the reason why you're not able to practice is that you're not a Canadian citizen. And so, you know, we've had to go through all of these differences and all of these uh, barriers that have been to prevent us from getting ahead. But somehow the Chinese have managed to overcome these uh, difficulties, most of us, and uh, we've managed to not allow that to affect our future going forward. I'm speaking with Brant Louis, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer, Officer of the HY Louis Group of Companies, which includes London Drugs. More about Asian Heritage Month after this. I'm speaking with Brant Louis, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of the HY Louis Group of Companies, which includes London Drugs, about Asian Heritage Month, his Chinese heritage, and concerns over the rise in anti-Asian racism in this country of late. How important a role, because, you know, Chinatowns across Canada are starting to disappear, or have, or getting smaller. How important are the historical Chinatowns now? in trying to preserve the history that you were speaking about. Uh, you know, one of the lines that you point out that your father told you was, you can forgive, but never forget. Well, I think it's very important. Uh, you know, Vancouver's Chinatown is a very, very historic place. It was uh, created uh, when the Chinese first started to come here and, and stay here in the uh, 1880s. And most of those Chinese came to help build the railroad. And the railroad, obviously, as we all know, was the linchpin to creating the country of Canada. And uh, so there have been some organizations in Vancouver to try and preserve Chinatown. As we know, most Chinatowns have, since the Chinese have been able to live outside of Chinatown. But this wasn't always the case. When I was growing up, there were very few Chinese families who actually lived out of Chinatown. My family was one of the very few that didn't live in Chinatown. But a lot of Chinese in those days lived in Chinatown, and it was a very large and thriving community. And today, the Chinese no longer live in Chinatown except for those that want to stay there for whatever reason or for those new immigrants who come here and want to be close to others who are very similar to them. You know, there have been organizations to, to, who've been developed, such as the Storytelling Center, and just recently the Canadian Chinese Museum that tries to protect cultural sites. And uh, those two organizations in Vancouver are the repositories for both the history and stories of the Chinese. And hopefully those two organizations are located in Chinatown and they're both trying to rejuvenate Bank Chinatown to become a, once again a very thriving hub. What did your Chinese ethnicity mean to you over the over the, growing up, uh, going to work for your in your father's company after studying accountancy? What has it meant to you over the course of of, of your career of, of and your lifetime? Well, it's that's a, that's an interesting uh, subject, uh, you know, because uh, I grew up uh, outside, not living in Chinatown. I grew up in the area of Carisdale and Dunbar, 
And as I said earlier, my family was one of the very first families not to actually live in Chinatown, but to live outside of Chinatown. And I know that when my parents decided that they wanted to uh, live in the dunbar Carestill region, they bought a house uh, in 1941. And I remember the stories being told that the neighbors, uh, uh, some neighbors, uh, opposed uh, them moving in because they felt that... Uh, a Chinese moving into their neighborhood would lessen the value of their real estate. And so they uh, protested strongly. Now, I can't say that all of the neighbors were like that. There were some neighbors that were very, very supportive of us. And I remember one of them living next door to us, and her name was Amy Lee, and she was English. Right. And she was a strong supporter of ours, and she, uh, you know, we moved right next door to us and she was right there to help us move in and to be very friendly to my parents. And for many, many years, she lived there until she died uh, as our neighbor. And uh, we always were very thankful for that relationship that she showed us. And we, she helped us get started and she helped us in that neighborhood. And so she, she was somebody who um, was a very strong supporter of not being racist and not uh, treating people differently because of the color of their skin. And she was a very strong supporter of uh, my parents and my, my parents and my mother and our family. And, uh, and to this day, I will always remember her kindness to us there. So I went to Carousdale School, Southland School, I graduated in 1961. I went to UBC and I studied accounting. We never thought about discrimination at that time because one of the things my parents used to tell me was don't let the history of the past influence your future. You know, the history of the past and the discrimination of past generations is one thing, but don't let that affect you from succeeding and moving forward. And so we, we didn't really view it as, a, as a something that would, as an impediment to hold us back. And so I graduated from UBC in 1966. But it's interesting at that time when I did graduate, one of the professors at the University of British Columbia said, you know, I understand you want to article and become a chartered accountant. And I said, yes, I would like to. And so he said, there will be a couple of firms that you will see out there that have an unwritten policy that they will not hire anybody of Asian descent. This is in the 60s, right? This is in this the 60s. Is in 1966. Right. And he said, I just wanted to tell you that uh, there, there's, there are a couple out there that follow that unwritten policy, but uh, because... There are is a great need for uh, accounting students with articling. You should have no problem uh, finding employment, but you shouldn't be completely aware that there will be a few firms that won't uh, hire you, that uh, won't uh, hire you because of your uh, ethnicity. And so I never forgot that. Uh, he was a, a fine gentleman at the university who uh, took care of all of his students uh, and he just was giving us a warning that we shouldn't be too disappointed that there were some people still thinking about that. 
And I never forgot that, you know, and I never forgot the firm that he mentioned. And I won't mention it here today because I don't think it's fair. But I never forgot that information he gave us. But I never allowed that to interfere with my own ability to get ahead. I always believed that people got ahead because of their own abilities and their own merit and the hard work that they were prepared to put in. And so I did article with a very fine firm of uh, Touche Roth, which is today Deloitte's. Mm. And I did reasonably well. And I went on to uh, enter my own family business after spending about six years with uh, this company, a couple of years after I graduated. And the rest of my history, I worked with my father and uh, worked uh, as he developed and built the business. I'm speaking with Brant Louis, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of the HY Louis Group of Companies, which includes London Drugs. We're talking about Asian History Month. Um, some opinion pieces that Mr. Louis has written, both for the Vancouver Sun and Global Mail, about the importance of uh, Asian Canadians and the history in this country, Chinese Canadians specifically, or Canadians of Chinese heritage. Uh, after this, we'll talk a bit more about day-to-day operations in London Drugs, a fascinating time for the retail business, for, for those of us on the outside looking to see the impact of COVID, what was done during the pandemic, supply chain issues. And we'll talk a bit about that after this. I'm speaking with Brant Louis, the Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of the HY Louis Group of Companies, which includes London Drugs. We've been talking, though, about, about Mr. Louis's uh, Asian heritage, his Chinese heritage, the importance of that in this Asian Heritage Month, uh, and also just uh, the rise of anti-Asian racism uh, over the past few years in this country and how much of a concern that has been. Uh, Mr. Louis, clearly um, London Drugs is a day-to-day operation, a hugely successful one. What have some of the challenges been during during COVID? I mean, we've spoken a lot about them anecdotally on the outside, supply chains, keeping employees safe. Uh, when you look to the past, what are you proud of? And when you look to the future, what do you worry about? Well, London Drugs, as we all know, is a very, very successful company in Western Canada. Mm -hmm. And it's very successful because I believe it follows the principles that my grandfather wrote many years ago. Mm -hmm. And those beliefs that he followed are found in letters that he he wrote to his sons. And uh, of course, my grandfather, H.Y. Louis, died in 1934. But prior to his death, he wrote down his feelings uh, for posterity. And, uh, And those letters we discovered many years later. And by and large, those letters lays out the ethical standards that people should follow in running a business. And we believe that the success of London Drugs and the success of all of the companies that we have participated in is because of the fact that we have believed in those values, those ethical values of treating people well, treating your customers well, treating the communities in which you do business well. You know, one of the great beliefs that my grandfather had, he said, you know what, we should always be willing to be kind and charitable. He said, particularly to the communities where we have stores, because these are where our employees come from. These are where our customers reside. And he said, if we have been successful, it is because of the communities in which we have been able to do business successfully. And so we owe it back to some of these communities to always be there for them when they're needed. You know, it's interesting that... uh, the, you know, the, I'm not sure whether your listeners know, but my father 
bought London Drugs in 1976 on a handshake. He had met the American owners and uh, they uh, were looking to dispose of uh, some assets they owned in Canada, which included London Drugs. And he met with them for about 20 or 30 minutes and they wanted to be assured that he could afford to pay the price because an agreement had already been worked out and they were out trying to shock this agreement. And so my father bought the, uh, the, the organization on a handshake after only meeting them for about 20 minutes and having uh, the Royal Bank of Canada uh, proved to these people that uh, he was able to uh, fund the purchase of this asset. And so, you know, my father has always been a great believer in, in, in people well, in following the values. And, you know, in Chinese culture, this is called the laws or mandate of heaven, where leaders are leaders who take care of their people, who, who are honorable, who are ethical in how they deal with uh, the business. We don't take a short-term view of anything. We look at things on a very, very long term. And you know what? One of the things I'm most proud about is if you look at the uh, ethnic men of our employees, they include people from all colors and all walks of life. We give everybody an equal opportunity, and we don't discriminate against anybody, and everybody is judged fairly on their abilities and their merits to, to provide us a service that we are willing to pay for. And so I'm very, really, I'm very proud of the team of people that we've put together over the years. You know, we've owned the company now 46 years, and I'm more proud of our team of people today than I've ever been. Looking forward, um, hopes and concerns when you look ahead. Well... I'm very fortunate that uh, I was the third generation to take over from my family in this regard. I'm very happy to say that my two sons, who represent the fourth generation, have come in and have been basically with me since around 2010, 2011. And so being my age today of 79, I've turned over most of the daily operations to both of my two sons and they are now running the business and they have the same values and ethical standards that I had, that my father had, and that my grandfather exposed to his children about how a business should be run. And I'm very happy that uh, my children are continuing to follow in my footsteps with the same principles that we believed in. You know, my father had two great sayings. One of them was, we may forgive, but we should never forget. And the reason that has happened is that by not forgetting, by not forgetting gives us that power, but by not, but by gives us that strength that we don't allow the past to hold us back and that our future, we can go and build our future without being having roadblocks thrown up in our way. The other thing that my family has always believed in is we believe that we should always be willing to fund the future. And this is why, if you look at our philanthropy, 
traffic records over the years, we tend to support and fund a lot of education and scholarships because we truly believe that education is the key to our success, but it is the key to this country's success. And if we can fund the education for those people who are going to be our next leaders in this country, then I think that our country will continue to be strong and be what it is today. Brent Louis, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you very much, and I'm happy to be with you, Ben.